This is KMTT, and today is Thursday. Rav Moshe Lichnestein will be speaking about the uh, structure of the Tefillot of Shabbat. Having concluded our discussion of Tefillat Shacharit, we should now move over to the next unit of the Tefillin Shabbos morning. Originally, I thought to speak about Tefillat Musaf. After all, we have Arvit, Shacharit, Musaf, and Mincha. But in second thought, I concluded that it would make more sense to discuss Kriyasa Torah as well. Actually, the question of whether Kriyasa Torah is an integral part of the Tefillah, or simply is sandwiched between Shacharit and Musaf, is not clear from the sources. Chazal do not create a connection between Kriyasa Torah and Davening. Masechet Brachot deals with Tefillah, Shacharit, Musaf, Mincha, Arvit, Kriyat Shema, Birgos Kriyat Shema, but does not deal significantly with the Lachas of Kriyat Shatara. The Mishnayos, it doesn't appear at all. In the Gemara, only in an insignificant manner. Because all of the Kriyat our position in Masechus Megillah. Masechus Megillah, together with Kriyasa Megillah, the Gemara also talks about Kriyasa Torah. And then we have an extensive treatment of Dina Kriyasa Torah. The Chazal seem to uh, differentiate between the two areas. There's an area of Torah, there's an area of Tefillah. The two are not intertwined. There is no connection between them. And even if you happen... Tulane in between Shachris and Musaf is simply a convenient time to do it, but it does not actually reflect upon the Tefillah. The Rambam, though, view things differently. The Rambam, Hichos Tefillah, incorporates Avichos Kriyasa Torah in the same way that he also incorporates Birkas Kohani. Chazal treat Hichos Tefillah in Azechus Brachos, meaning Shvan Esrei, Birkas Kriyatshma, and Kriyatshma. And they do not integrate Kriyasa Torah and Birkas Kohanim into Masechus Brachos. The Rambam, though, took all three elements and combined them into one corpus of halachas, Hilchos Tefillah, or its fuller name, Hilchos Tefillah or Birkas Kohanim. And within this, he also incorporates Kriyasa Torah as well. So the Rambam, Kriyasa Torah, is clearly part of Tefillah. Semi Tefillah has man approaching God, addressing Him, praising Him, requesting his for His needs, and so on and so forth. So too, it also contains an element in which God addresses man. In this case, not through Nevoah, of course, but through Kriyasa Torah. Man approaches God, God addresses man, in appointed times, if you want, we can, from a different perspective, talk about man approaches God in tefillah. However, he also makes the effort to analyze and understand Torah. Either way, the Raman views Kriyasa Torah as an integral component of tefillah. Therefore, it makes sense to discuss the role of Kriyasa Torah within the context of Tefillah.
Regarding this, we reach a point which the Rav spoke about constantly. It was a major theme in his uh, Torah regarding Tefillah and Kriyasa Torah. Namely, what is the role of Kriyasa Torah? This regard, the Rav offered two possible suggestions, posited two different concepts, which to explain Kriyasa Torah. One connects it directly to the Talmud Torah. Why do we lay in Shabbos or Monday and Thursday? In order to provide us with a daily or weekly diet of Talmud Torah. Chazal say, This is Torah. It was B'nai Yisrael thirsted for water. Chazal Dashen, not only physical water, but spiritual water as well. Therefore, the conclusion was, B'nai Yisrael should not be more than three days out of Torah. And Torah, simply Talmud Torah, to connect the Torah. However, if you're looking for connection to Torah, the means, the medium, is one of learning. An opposite suggestion would be to talk about the need to connect the Kodesh Baruch Hu through Torah, not through the meaning of Talmud Torah, but actually more through the idea of prophecy, of God addressing man, of Kodesh Baruch Hu descending and relating to us. This idea appears in the famous Halach in the Rambam in the end of Hilchus Chagiga. The Rambam describes the discovery of Hakel. Hakel was once in seven years, the Mishnah tells us that Hakim must be recited Davke Lashon HaKodesh. Davke in Hebrew, the original text of the Torah, it cannot be recited in English, French, Chinese. In other words, a translation is no good. It has to be the original language. To which the Rambam comments, the end of Hilchus Chagiga, Gerim She'inam Makirim, foreigners, Quite familiar with Hebrew. Those who can't follow the Hebrew must prepare themselves spiritually and pay attention to hear with fear and trembling and rejoicing as it was given on Mount Sinai. Even great scholars, who know the entire Torah will not learn anything new from listening to the repetition of the text of Hakel, must listen, not only go through the motions, but must experience the sermon of Hakel, or those from the crowd further distant cannot hear the king without a microphone, without amplification, view the king from afar reading the portion, but cannot actually hear him. The idea is not to increase knowledge. The idea is not intellectual learning of Torah, but rather to reinforce the message of Yerat Shamayim, Ki'i v'yirat smo, and the person participating in Hakel should view himself, 
As if he is re-experiencing Mamad Arsinai, the king who is being Hakel, is simply a messenger to recite God's words. In the Rav's phrase, Hakel is a reenactment of Mamad Arsinai. Once every seven years, we collect everyone together, we assemble everyone, and we reenact Mamad Arsinai. So Yaakov Eidan once pointed out in the shir of his, there are many linguistic hints in the Torah itself which connect between Hakel and Mamad Arsinai, between Dvarim Perak Lamed and Perak Dalid Hay. And the Rambam views the idea of Hakel not as an assembly for the purpose of increasing knowledge, which the Rambam assumed was impractical, A, because the language be the distance from the podium, see the fact that many people are very familiar with the text, the idea of the experiential, to be experienced, Mamad Sinai, to reenact it, to have the emotional experience of the Kodesh Baruch addressing you. The king is God's messenger, a prophet, so to speak, to recite the Torah's text and to address us. Same idea taken from once in seven years can be applied, this is a rough suggestion, not only to the Hakel ceremony, which as I mentioned before was only once every seven years, but also to Kriyasa Torah, either the weekly Kriyasa Torah Shabbos, or maybe even every Kriyasa Torah, including Sheni Vechamishi. Either way, Kriyasa Torah and Shabbos can certainly be viewed as ceremony whose importance is not in the knowledge of Torah that's gained, but rather in the sense of religious experience of reenacting Mamad Sinai. To put a few examples which illustrate these differences. Should a person stand or sit in Kriya Sadara? If we want to reenact Mamad Sinai, person should stand. And your post-game, who indeed thought it's proper to stand in Kriya Satara, Israel in the time Ramad Arsinai were standing. Not only that, the point of the enactment is to re-experience the awe, the fear and trembling of, of quaking in, God, in God's presence, clearly relaxing in a padded cushion in a shul seat is not the proper way of doing that. So they're standing at attention, and feeling the sense of the Divine Presence, being in awe of Him. Similar with the Shemona Esrei, in which a man must stand because he's presenting himself in front of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. He's in God's Presence. Standing is a basic component of Shemona Esrei because of the Lifnei Hashem. So too is Kriya Satara. Other poskim who spoke about sitting, or permitted sitting, as is a common minog by, in most shows, assume that we are talking about learn the act of learning. To learn is easier and simpler when one is sitting. To pay attention to the text, to follow the subtleties of the discussion is much simpler when a person is sitting, more relaxed, he doesn't have to waste energy on the physical effort of standing. And Chazal tells the Grand Megillah of Chafalif there once upon a time, learning a Besmedrish was also done standing in order to have both an experience 
as well as gain of knowledge. However, at some point, Chazal decided for the mitzvah of Talmud Torah, for learning in Yeshiva, the price of experiencing a sense of God's presence came at the expense of the actual knowledge. And since the mitzvah of Talmud Torah per se is to increase knowledge, Chazal decided to institute learning when one is seated rather than standing. However, Kriyas Torah, it's an open question. Those who sit in Kriyas Torah as part of the practice of Talmud Torah, and the same in Talmud Torah we also sit. So to Kriyas Torah, those who stand assume the Kriyas Torah, unlike Talmud Torah per se, Kriyas Torah, the experience is paramount, and even the expense of following the text and comprehension, it is preferable to stand. Let's take another example. In the time of Chazal, the two customs regarding to the yearly cycle of Yerusha Torah. One was the annual cycle that we are familiar with, in which you complete the Torah once a year, from Breshis to Zazabracha. Every year we come full cycle Simchas Torah. In Yisrael at the time though, they had a cycle which took three to three and a half years to complete. It's mentioned in Chazal, we're familiar from the Paitanim as well with such a cycle. Once more, it seems that root is this basic difference in outlook and Kriyasa Torah that dictates the Tumin Hagim. If a person wants to be able to digest a portion of the Torah to learn it properly, the sentence we have, most of it are too long. This past week we have Akhil Pukude, 227 Psuki. So in this case, there's very little commentary. But the many parashios, which are long, extended, have met, deal with many, many issues. It is a bit impractical to be able to learn them properly and to digest all the knowledge in a week. Or one day. Rather, the, for purpose of learning, the old system of Israel, which you do it once every three years, is much more practical. The units are smaller, much easier to basically deal with them, to cope with them. They're not too large. The meaning of Israel did not bite off more than it could chew. Purpose of learning seems to be highly preferable. For purposes of experience, the idea is to be in touch with the entire Torah every year. Once a year, to complete the Torah, it is not necessarily benefiting your knowledge, which can be better served by dividing to smaller chunks, but rather the experience of completing the Torah once a year. Take a third example. Do you read Tam Elion or Tam Tachton? Tam Elion, the basic idea behind it is divide the units into the units of Dibros. Three for Psukim can be have one self Pasuk, one unit of trap, because they happen to be one unit of a Dibra. Tam Tachton takes the Psukim as they are, each Pasuk is a dependent unit. Three for the Rav. He said this another expression of the same question. For Prince of Reenactment Sinai, clearly 
The most logical thing to do is to use the units at Mamadar Sinai, the Dibros. Each Diber is an entire unit. It could be Fifa Psukim, such as Shabbos, creating one Diber. It could be half a Pasuk or a, or a sliver of a Pasuk, such as Lotirzach, still a full unit. Since the Torah called him Aserah Shadvarim, so the units that we care about are units of Dibros, as was the original seen at Mamadar Sinai. On the other hand, if we talk about Tam Tachton, we are dealing with learning units. The units of purpose of learning are Psukim. If you want to talk about Zachar Shemesh the Kad show, and to learn it, you take it a Pasuk at a time, which is a shorter unit, which is better for analysis, for understanding. And therefore, Tam Tachton reflects the idea of learning, while Tam Elyon represents the idea of experience. Interestingly, and Rebbe is fond of pointing this out, there should be in Hagim that you learn Tam Tachton as Papash Shavua in Pashas Yisrael Vaschanan, but you learn Tam Elyon Shavuos. The idea being that when you learn as part of the Sedra, it's simply Talmud Torah. When you learn those, that's part of the Sedra. But in Yom Tov, it's part of the experience. Other, uh, various other uh, expressions halakhically of this uh, idea could be quoted. In conclusion, we could certainly view Kriya uh, Satara as being an experience which we reenact Mamad Sinai. We see Mamad Sinai relating to us, Kashmir addressing us. Or it can be viewed as part of Mr. Talmud Torah that we make sure there's a communal Talmud Torah. Each every person learns weekly that uh, the community as a community learns and uh, we have, uh, and therefore, Kriya Torah is more the idea of, of, of Talmud Torah. It means the expression to conclude with is the idea of Shnayim Mikra Targu. You read twice and translate once. Actually, not translate, but interpret. Because Targum really means interpretation, not necessarily translation. Why two and one? I would suggest simply. Targum's interpretation is knowledge. So you read the text once for purposes of experience. You read it a second time for purposes of knowledge and analysis. So you read it once just for the experience. You read it a second time in order to analyze, and the second time you combine with Targum, meaning interpretation. So once you read the text alone, simply to reenact the original text as a ceremony, the second time you read it together with an accompanying interpretation or translation in order to provide analysis and understanding, simply put, Shnai Mikra, because you have double or dual concept. One is the concept of the ceremony, the other is the concept. Now the ceremony of the learning to so do Shnai Mikra and the company with Echad Targum because the concept of learning applies to Targum but not the concept of the experience. To return to our opening point, the more we emphasize experience in Talmud Torah, in, in Kriya Torah, the more we a ceremony of experiencing, the closer I think we are to integrating it into Tefillah. As I said before, man approaches God, God approaches man. It's part of a dialogue. We not only 
speak, we listen as well. The idea behind tefillah and Gersat Torah is being in God's presence. As I mentioned before, you stand in Shemun Esrei, makes sense to stand in Gersat Torah as well, it's part of the experience. If though we view Gersat Torah as essentially the midst of Talmud Torah, of learning, so we could make a claim that learning also is part of tefillah, that in the broader sense means and learning is also partnering with God. But nevertheless, the more we emphasize the tefillah, excuse me, the Talmud Torah, the less connected with the tefillah. The more the experience and the ceremony of being God's presence are at the forefront of the Torah, the more integral it is to tefillah. The more it's an act of learning, it simply has to be, it simply is combined, or for convenience sake, done together, but it's less integral, uh, integrally a part of tefillah. That's what I would suggest at any rate, Christ Torah Shabbos morning can be viewed from these two perspectives, either learning or experience. In addition, it can be viewed with the Rambam side as part of the as part of the format of Tefillah, or it can be viewed the way the Mishnah seem to imply as an independent unit, which is not necessarily related to Tefillah. Having spoken about Kriyasa Torah, let's briefly address the same question regarding Torah. One could also come and raise a similar question about Torah. What's its purpose? From one perspective, we can look at that, we can view Torah as being part of the scheme of Talmud Torah. The Parsha presents a topic or various topics for analysis, for understanding, we read the parsha. We have various uh, questions, topics, which we want to understand and analyze. We therefore utilize the Torah to further our analysis by dealing with a similar issue that the parsha raises. We compare. We can contrast. We can supplement what the parsha has to say. If the parsha talks about for instance, Tsaras, we can now come and either illustrate how Tsaras worked in practice, not only the halachic details of the parasha, but also how it was actually practiced in Amisot time of the Besamikdash. We can compare and contrast the presentation of the Mitzorah in the Chumash to that of the Nevim. We can um, supplement other perspectives. And uh, once you go through each of Torah, and try to see how does it add to understanding the parasha. Conversely, one can talk about the Torah not as being part of Talmud Torah. It doesn't come to enhance understanding the parasha. Rather, it's an independent message, a message that the Nevi'im relate to a person's situation once a week. Nevuos begin to Israel because they remain relevant throughout the ages. Nevoas, which remain relevant, were recorded and became part of Kisra Kodesh. Those whose whole significance was transient were, did not become part of the corpus of the Nevi. Therefore, Nevoas of then are still related to our condition nowadays. Our existential situation is addressed by the Nevi. Ideas of 
sin, punishment, um, reward, the relationship between man and God, intimacy, transcendentalism, and so on and so forth, are all just by Nevi'im. And they address us once a week, the same way the Torah has a message to give us, so we experience the idea of the Torah. So too, the Nevi'im address our experiences. The role of the Navi is not to expose to the experience of receiving Dvar Hashem. That's the idea of Mamad Sinai. The role of the Navi is to simply address us, address our concerns, our situation, provide us with spiritual guidance. And once a week, we are provided with spiritual guidance to take home, to contemplate, to think over, to digest. It is not part of Talmud Torah. It is not to increase our intellectual knowledge or understanding of Tanakh. It is to relate to our concerns and address us in our, in our situation as it is in our daily lives. Both suggestions could be raised. It seems to me regarding the Torah that we do have a clincher, namely, there are certain proofs which make clear that the second rather than the first is the idea. Simply put, we have many afterot which, which do not relate to the parasha whatsoever. All the afterot which revolve around the calendar. The idea already appears in the Gemara and Chazal. For instance, the aftara of Rosh Chodesh Av. If Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh, the aftara is related to the event. In the Gemara, we could still summarize the Kriyasa Torah, but the Minag that we later on became customary based upon Surah and Chazal, as Tosos and Megillah point out, harnesses the entire calendar, the entire summer actually, of Torahs to the calendar. Shiva Dinechemta, plus the Puranusa, Tadid Tiyuvta, three Haftaras of Puranus, seven of Nechama, two of Tshuva, the Aftar Shabbos Agado, which we'll be reading soon, the Aftaras of Hanukkah and Purim. All these Aftaras revolve around the calendar, Machar Chodesh. We, we read the end of Gemara, even though we haven't learned anything about Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh itself, we learn, we, we learn Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is on Sunday, we don't learn in Christ anything about that. But nevertheless, we do relate Aftarah to the fact that Machar Chodesh. Therefore, it's clear that Aftarahs do not necessarily address the parasha. All, all other things being equal, the Aftarah will address the issue of the parasha. However, if things are not equal, so then Aftarah will address our, our situation, the human condition regarding to the need to find comfort after the Chorban, regarding the need to re-experience the Chorban, regarding Rosh Chodesh, they give a new beginning, regarding Shabbos HaGadol. The calendar dictates the Aftaras because it relates to our contemporary situation and does not attempt necessarily to interpret the passage we just read. Nowadays, this happens only regarding the calendar. In the past, though, it was only the calendar. There's a well-documented minhag from the 11th, 12th century throughout the 16th century 
to learn a special after for Chassan. The Lane says this is Ba'ashem. Would we read the last Shiva de Chemta? Every time there's an Ufruf, they would learn Sosa Sis as Why? Once more, it could be any parish under the sun. It could be Bo, Bishalach, Truma, Titzave, Vayera, Vayishlach. The Aftar doesn't relate to the parasha. It relates to this contemporary situation of man. In this case, experiencing experiencing a simcha relates to the simcha of a chasen akala. In theory, it can relate to other cases as well. There are scattered testimonies start with shalim that in extraordinary circumstances they would change the aftarah as well. When the Rambam was niftar, they laying the special aftarah that that Shabbos, even though it wasn't it wasn't just a bracha. But uh, nevertheless, the event that the Rambam's tears considered so significant that they changed the Torah. There's a similar story about Rav Shvirgon's Ptira. There too they changed the Torah. And in theory, if you can do it for Chasa, you can do it for Avelis as well. And in theory, if you can do it for the calendar, you can do it for Chasa and Avelis as well. It would simply put that Torah addresses a man's existential situation, the human condition, and does not attempt to interpret the Chumash. All other things being equal, we, re- we learn about the Chumash, either for the message, or to enhance our understanding of Chumash as well. But at its root, at the core, the Torah does not come for purposes of interpretation, but for providing a prophetic message to address us in the name of the Nevi once a week, regarding our situation and the condition. Therefore, every Shabbos we learn Torah, we learn Kriyasa Torah, these are part of Tefillah, and are integrated in the Rambam scheme of things at least into Shabbos Davening. Please, the next week we'll discuss Musaf and its place in the scheme of Shabbos.